Do you just cry when you sit with the papers Thinking about what it's like and take away from us We're on a course for a head-on collision Scientists said this is what we've been missing Sorry that research is not for submission Friend Roger's dead and we'll be the one to listen Can't take the heat, now the planet is your kitchen She's like you're stuck in a contest of pissing Time to trade in Congress for a new edition this right the other day my girlfriend comes to me and she's like hey steve what is this sustainability thing you're always talking about i don't get it i'm like what what do you mean you don't get it you've been with me like a year and you don't get this sustainability thing let me tell you and then i didn't know what to tell her i didn't know how to explain it to her it's the environment it's humid it's the way we engage with our environment so back in 2000, the Brundtland Commission, maybe in the 90s, 90s, 2000, early 2000, late 90s, the Brundtland Commission uh, came up with a definition, and it's something like finding a manner in which we can live today, which will provide future generations an equal opportunity to live in that manner, right? And there's this idea of that we have to find a way to live in a manner today because we're not there yet. We're not there yet. And this is why I get, I don't get flustered. I get it. But it sits with me wrong when we try to get back to the way it was normal. We were already living in a way that was unsustainable. Right, that if we kept living in this way, if we do keep living in this way, we cannot go on, right? As a means on how the planet functions, and we can definitely see it how society functions, how we treat each other, how we're living that way. But we treat each other with disrespect. And if we're treating people, human beings, ones that we can relate to the most, living you know, life forms that we can relate to the most on this lonely planet of ours that habits all life that we know. If we treat each other, human beings, the way we treat each other, there really is very little hope for that sustainable future, right? Where we actually treat the planet and other life forms on this lonely planet of ours with a mutual respect to make sure that we uh, survive together, 
Now, in the 70s, there was a book written, and it was put out um, by people working over at MIT, this Massachusetts Institute of Technology. All right. Now, I hope that that is one of those institutions we can still trust and hold with high regard, right? And look to them for them to know what they're talking about when they're talking. And they don't know everything, right? They don't run the world, but they provide guidance for us to make policies and whatnot. And in the 70s, they developed a computer model. And there's a team of scientists, computer data statisticians, and whoever else is involved. I got a list of them in this book called Limits to Growth. And they first published it in the 70s with computer models showing 12 scenarios, what could happen, right? It, you know, what they took into assumption is that there are limits of this planet, right? We physic very physical limits, And that, like, physical limits in the means of depletable natural resources. Not just oil and stuff, but we're talking rocks, trees, life capital, livestock, people. There's finite capital. And there's also a finite capacity to absorb emissions in this pollution of all sorts. Water, solid waste. Air. There's a lot of waste produced, and there's only so much capacity the natural earth has to absorb some of that. And we've been witnessing some of the impacts of life beyond that. Now, when they first published the book in 1970, there was like hope still left in the book. They didn't, they hadn't imagined they achieved or hit overshoot is what they say um, and they made they made sure to stomp on it that um, they are talking about limits to growth and now that growth doesn't always lead because they do talk about collapse right they talk about where we can go um, the cost of all this fast growth that we we do um and collapses on the verge of a lot. And there's many systems, anybody out there who analyzes systems. If you overshoot, it is collapse, right? And this is what they talk about. So growth does not necessarily lead to collapse. Growth follows only, or collapse follows only if growth has led to overshoot. And that's an expansion of demands beyond the planet's resources and sinks above levels that can be sustained. And in nineteen in the nineteen seventies they weren't at such a point. They did a revision of this book in the nineties in nineteen ninety two and they even redid the title to the book and they called it Beyond the Limits because we had already overshot the limits of the Earth support capacity. We live at something to the tune of one point two or one point four planets, right? It would take to sustain like the global population now, and that's just global on average, if everybody stepped up to the, live like the average American, it would take something like four or five planets, planet Earths, to sustain the world then. So, 
But I don't think that's a hard thing to envision, right? That we do have these limits and constraints by means of natural resources and only the capacity of so much that we can take, right? Or we, the, the, the planet can take, absorbing this. The soil, the plants, the water, whatever, can only suck up so much CO2. Soil can only handle so many chemicals thrown on it before the soil's useless for plant life. Right? And they, so in some of the examples, if you read through the rest of Limits to Growth or some of the other environmental texts, is that we've padded ourselves, right? We think that soil is healthy because we fertilize it and throw more chemicals on it. But in doing so, we just ensure that that soil isn't going to recover anytime soon. The natural soil. And then what happens when the plants stop growing and the fertilizer we make? Or whatever, right? So what it's saying is that just it appears things are better than they actually are when we're looking at the indicators that say we have a healthy system or not. And scientists have been saying for quite a while that many of our systems are, are not in a healthy state. And we try to overcorrect and we overcorrect, we overshoot. I don't know. It's what they say, right? I mean, scientists show through the evidence that our ice caps are melting. Climate patterns are changing and shifting. Storms are increasing. Air quality improves and also worsens. Our CO2 levels have gone up. Depending on where you live, forests are burning, right? What else do we have to look at? I don't know what the economist reports say, and, and nor do I. I mean, I guess I care because that is the way we go. But here, look at, let's consider this for one second. This is what always kind of I go back to. I'm like, what are we doing? When considering what sustainability is or could mean to us and how we maybe could get there. And, and one thing, if we... Always make the argument about, well, I'm doing this for money. It's for the economy, for the dollar. Right? If our system, our only system of measurement or the thing that we, we try to appease is this economic system, this idea of money, just this concept, this idea that doesn't really mean it's infinite, right? And we try to make our system sustainable, guiding it with those principles. I just, that's where you lose me. That's the disconnect I see. So when you make the argument for the money, right, is what is all our concern. Give me money. That That's not it for me. It's the way we function. This is why I like the idea of community projects, right, and community communities coming together. Right. I like the emergence of farmers markets and that we attend them more. More people attend them. I don't know if this was the chicken or the egg kind of thing, but now I see groups like the Neighborhood Resiliency Initiative emerge. And it may be because there were so many people doing stuff like the Neighborhood Resiliency Initiative where farmers markets became popular. I mean, farmers markets are nothing new. Most other countries thrive on the commerce of the public market. 
we still had ver I mean there were still versions of the public market over in Boston and other surrounding neighborhoods and communities. They usually form around community like cultural communities is where you'll see the markets. And it's you know such a positive thing when I see neighborhoods coming together, independent artists, um, artisans, farmers, ranchers, uh, local people bringing their food to to the other locals. And then when I see an organization like Neighborhood Resiliency Initiatives, which whole point is to grow food in people's backyard so they can feed themselves and their neighbors and help them even do, do so, providing them guidance, tools, and manpower. Odds. Incredible. And it looks like they'll even come and help harvest the garden and they'll give you a good share and then they'll take a share and donate it and put it to good use because, God, I don't know how much, how many vegetables I waste and, you know, from going shopping, never mind when I start growing my own. And you can't give away a zucchini on the block around here. So an organization that might find a way to get that food into a mouth that could use it, odds, oh, encouraging, inspiring. And this is what we look for on this podcast are, are those pearls out in, the, out in the community and share them with you guys. So if you know of any kind of community initiative, organization, nonprofit, or business that is really putting their efforts out there, like that great Harvest Bread Company who's doing the Breaking Bread Project, they get donations from their suppliers to make bread they make bread and give it to nonprofit organizations that serve underserved communities. I love it. That's an example of a business putting forward. I always talk about the poet flow and the improv group though over there at the Comedy Loft, the Ziegfeld Theater. Their workshops been instrumental in me doing all of this. So what do you see out in your communities that kind of help you get along and maybe kind of see a better path forward, a more sustainable path forward, a more equitable future? Because until we achieve this kind of idea of equality, right? Equality between one another. Humans, if once we see humans as equal, maybe we can even start envisioning other life as equally important and uh, considering the ways we manage our resources that we have, the way we treat our forests, the things we don't see all too often. And when we don't see those things, we often forget that they're under attack. We saw that socially happen here in America. That kind of bubble popped for us again. This isn't the first time it's happened. It's not the first time we've had civil unrest. And, but often it is when we come to a hard truth in a big collective when we see the mistreatment of people around the world and in our own neighborhoods and backyards that we've missed before, right? And this, the connectivity and that everybody has a camera and audio and that we're all connected this way we can see it a little a little more and once again and we can see that that's probably not sustainable we don't see the ourselves treating each other with respect 
and shaking hands and saying, hey, let's go on a better way forward and take care of this one planet, you know, that cradles us in the darkness of space in the universe, right? The only place that we know can sustain life, especially our life. Only hope we got is take care of this one planet we got. We can do that a lot easier if we're willing to come together, respect one another. We can start respecting our planet. However, that has to look, you know, it has to happen in in your life. I try to cultivate that in my life. It's difficult, but when we all come together in that kind of collective, that kind of community collective, I think we see uh, encouraging evidence, you know, as in, the Neighborhood Resiliency Initiative, Farmers Markets emerging, people coming together, doing these things, sharing ideas, sharing food, sharing passions, love, art, whatever it is. Share, share, share. Um, it's my message. I think that's the way we get toward uh, a sustainable future. So, With that, I hope you enjoy your weekend. I look forward to talking with you all next week. I'm looking to do this podcast out on the street, get some reports from people in the community. So look for that. Look for me out there. Uh, more to come. I don't have a, a spot, a venue, day, or time yet working on it. But get some ideas rolling. Uh, what do you see? What are the groups in the community that you like, that you do support? What organizations, whether it be nonprofit businesses, whatever it is, what do you see that is positive, is encouraging when we start looking at that? I think we can respect the neighborhood we live in, respect each other a little more, come from a place of understanding and uh, mutual agreement towards a better way forward together. And, yeah, and I'm excited to hear what you've witnessed and what you would like to see. So, look for us to come out, share, share your ideas, share your thoughts, uh, bring something. Uh, play music, come out and play music for us. I love that. Give us something to talk about. So, Anyways, more to come, you guys. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll be back next week with another reading. Take care.